Welcome to the Foolish Adventure Show, where guru hype is banned, lifetime value of a customer is king, and the internet business has replaced the J-O-B as the path to financial success and personal freedom. Now, here's straight talk about making a living online with your host, Tim Conley. Welcome to another episode of the Foolish Adventure Show. I'm your host, Tim Conley, and I've got a great friend of mine on here, Terry Lynn of buildmyonlinestore.com. So Terry has gotten into the podcasting world. Uh, he, he really bought into this crazy idea that our friend Dan Andrews of the Lifestyle Business Podcast and myself have been telling people, go out, do podcasting, and and use it to to build an audience and build your business and he fell for it and so i'm gonna bring him on here and we're gonna talk about that so what's up terry what's going on tim oh just uh just kind of excited to sit down and have a chat with you because we actually haven't spoken in oh gosh a long time i, I think yeah, probably, probably yeah a couple months now right yeah so. yeah yeah, so it's funny uh, how I got into podcasting. I guess you remember when I joined the mastermind, I literally had nothing like when I first joined. So <laughs> it's kind of funny. Six months later, I'm about you know 25 episodes in. So it'd be fun to kind of talk about you know how I got started and kind of my experiences from podcasting. I went to your site and I'm like, wow, I can't believe it's been 24 episodes already. Yeah, I'll, I'll just say it right here. I was pretty damn jealous of the fact that when you first started, you sounded just completely awesome <laughs> and actually sounded all professional and everything because it took me, uh, well, I, I don't know how long it's going to take me to before I sound professional. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I mean, well, I learned off you, so a lot of credit goes to you too. And also Dan and Ian and, you know, uh, Rob Walling, uh, Startups for the Rest of Us and I guess, yeah, these are kind of the three main shows I got my inspiration from. So I got to say uh, thanks to you, man. I'll, I'll take it. I'll, I'll take that because uh, that's about all I've got. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay. So what was the impetus for actually starting your podcast? Uh, so, gosh, I guess, so I, guess, I guess everyone kind of starts off first when they find how to make money online in affiliate marketing, right? So you think you're gonna make this website, you know, maybe like Amazon site, which is what I did, or you some affiliate website selling an ebook, you'd think you're gonna make a site and it's gonna make like a million dollars by selling this ebook for $97, right? And yeah. obviously we know you launch the site and a week later nothing happens, maybe, you know, a month or two later nothing happens either. Or if you're lucky, you know, you become a millionaire, which I've never heard of before. <laughs> and so I, I went back to my drawing board uh, because around this time, one of my sites um, that was kind of making some Amazon money got hit by Google Panda and Penguin. This was probably in March of 2012. And then I was like, okay, you know, what's something I can do, you know, three to five years, you know, long term, I can build up something that I can be proud of. Uh, kind of like, you know, like yourself, Internet Business Mastery, Pat Flynn, you know, you guys have been in the business kind of like two years. So, you know, what was something that, that I could build for myself in the long term? And also that kind of had a different angle that wasn't uh, internet marketing related because you know, I was looking for something uh, different to do. And kind of from the background of my day job uh, where we do stock brokerages, uh, one of the big things is you want to be different, right? So for example, 
if you look at Apple, there's probably like what forty analysts covering it. And so, uh, when I talk about analysts, I mean analysts that reports that put reports that say you know buy, sell, hold on the right. stock. So if you have forty analysts that say buy, and you're the forty first one that says buy, like what value are you really adding to <laughs> the client? Right? It's uh, you, you could almost say like the twentieth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. They're all basically saying the same thing. And the thing is, like with the investment industry now, a lot of the information is priced in so fast. So what happens today in Asia in the supply chain will pretty much make it to the U.S. market in like two days, maybe a day. So, so really, you know, in this kind of backdrop, I was like, okay, if am I going to really start another blog about how to make money online? I'm like, that's that's stupid. So that's something I knew I didn't want to do. And then uh, the real catalyst was when Dan had this blog post saying, you know, send me your ideas and I'll give you a yes or no when it's dead on dead on arrival. Right. And so I I sent him about. Probably 10 ideas. And one of them initially was helping e-commerce store owners build their uh, online stores. And then this one, he gave me a yes. And I was like, oh, okay, this is pretty cool. And he actually gave me like two or three yeses, one maybe to another thing. But this one was the one that kind of resonated with me because, you know, e-commerce will be here for the next 10 years. And it's, it's kind of a growth market. So I figured, you know, all tides rides with the ship. So maybe this is something I'll pursue. And I used to sell textbooks on Amazon too. So this was something I kind of was interested in. Right. And so the next step was, okay, so how do I build these websites? You know, I'm not a developer. I don't have time to... Uh, figure this out. So why don't I just start asking some store owners what problems they have? And then, uh, so what I did was I went on the blogs of all these different, like Shopify, Big Commerce, Volusion, and they have these blogs where they feature their biggest customers. And so I just scraped their emails off the, the websites, and I emailed <laughs> like probably like sixty of them, saying, "Hey, you know, I'm looking to help people like you start a store. You know, what are some big challenges you had when you were starting out?" And so it was nothing related to design, actually, believe it or not. And so because it's so easy to start a store now, you just literally, it's like a Facebook profile. It takes you like, you know, 30, 10 minutes to sign up, but to actually get everything looking decent, I mean, you could do it in like a whole day or a whole weekend. And so, right. So that, that kind of took that idea out of the water. And then so uh, one of the guests, which was the first on the first episode, uh, AJ at Happy Owl Studios, where they sell iPad cases, I just started talking to him, going deeper and deeper. And I was like, hey, this guy's pretty smart. Why don't I just, uh, you know, maybe uh, do a recording with him? And then this was around the time when Dan was really pitching podcasting, right? Right. So, oh, he, so, he does that to everyone. Like, yeah. yeah. Everyone he meets, they've got a podcast. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny that it took so long to pitch that finally, I think around, you know, now it's December, you have, you know, like four or five people really start picking it up. So I guess this was, you know, half a year ago, no one really kind of believed him, I guess. Right. And so so I was like, okay, let's just do this. And, you know, I kind of knew audio video editing as a kid in high school, too. So this was very comfortable with me. And then, um, so during the day job, I also uh, help with the kind of investment research side of, of things. So basically what we do is uh, we would go to a business here in Asia because a lot of the Apple supply chains are based, right? So if you look at the iPhone, you'll get the camera lens, uh, maybe the panel on the phone. There's like screws, substrates, speakers. So basically all that stuff is made in Asia. And so a lot of the companies, their revenues are derived maybe half of it's from Apple. So wow. a, lot of, a lot of the shipment stuff they produce for Apple is very sensitive. And so what we do, what we do is we basically go around the company saying, hey, you know, what are your shipments this quarter? Uh, are they up or down? Maybe down 10%, 20%? Uh, what's the seasonality? And basically we would reverse engineer off different companies to come up with how many iPhones Apple is going to ship for the next quarter. Because Apple always <laughs> says, because for the, for the camera lens, they'll have two or three suppliers in Asia. Right. And you just 
you go to you go to each company, you say, hey, you know, who's your biggest customer? They'll say, oh, it's a company named A, but we can't tell you what it is. And then you ask them, well, how much percent of your revenue is derived off them? And then you can base off uh, how much they sell each camera lens for, like an average selling price. Uh-huh. And then you can get an idea of how much revenue they have. And then you piece the top two players together and you can get an idea of, oh, okay, this is how much. You kind of reverse engineer the whole supply chain uh, for the iPhone. And then you get each company's kind of, uh, guidance for the next quarter or maybe the outlook for the next two quarters. <laughs> so, yeah. So, anyways, uh, before I, I get off topic here, so uh, basically I took that knowledge into the show where I analyze a business, kind of how they built everything in terms of like their e-commerce service. So it's the taking that domain knowledge onto the show and where, you know, as a kid I knew audio video stuff and then that's kind of how I made the podcast. Okay, so one of the things you said just a little bit ago was about you started emailing people mm-hmm. and you wanted to figure out what their problems were and you thought it was going to be design and it wasn't. Uh, what were the problems that they were having? Sure. The biggest one is just traffic and really SEO. And so you look at all the e-commerce platforms, all they're really pitching is signups. They say, you know, we have 30-day trial uh, you know, start your store right now. And, you know, we have 40,000 stores, you know, everyone loves us. You go on the landing page, this is basically the generic landing page, you know, of your Shopify, big commerce and illusion. And so what happens is when a store owner signs up, uh, he has this dream of, you know, selling boutique clothing or t-shirts or uh, iPad cases. And then he opens the store, he puts his photos on and then boom, there's nothing. Like he right. finds, he finds out, oh my God, I need, like someone was telling me, hey, you know, I'm not number one on Google. Can you fix that for me? And, and basically, you know, they don't know what SEO is. They don't know. They don't really know how much work needs to go in. And then, you know, ba- even from the basics, like, hey, there's paid traffic to, you know, um, organic SEO, link building. You know, you really have to, there's like a whole learning curve to understand how this is going, right? And so. Uh, so uh, with that, they, they don't know and what, what, what exactly what they're doing, right? So why why isn't there more prep because if you're going to start like an offline business people actually figure out how to run that business they they figure out like where the product's coming from they figure out how they're going to deliver the product they figure out how i'm going to get customers to a certain extent and they 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 figure out a lot of these things before they ever open up why why is that not the case with uh, e-commerce people well i guess it's because it's so easy to start now that you can just jump in and kind of figure out as you go. Um, but, but I guess the biggest thing was that some people weren't taught like the overall intricate details of it. In terms of that, you know, you go on like a Shopify site, they just have an FAQ about SEO. There's no one to really kind of hide, hold you by the hand and kind of give you like a lecture or like, or even like a manual that tells you where to start. This is what the biggest overlap I had was. So I guess you could say, you know, they're not doing the research Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, uh, which which makes sense because we all hear the uh, the stories about the internet. Oh, you just put up a site and and you just do a little SEO. You do a little of this, do a little of that, and next thing you know, you've got you know a successful online business and it's yeah. easy. You can do it part time and and you're living the four hour work week dream. Yeah, but but I would say the guys that have figured it out beforehand that really did the planning, you know, finding a good market, getting the product mix, like in terms of the product value to the customer, they really figured it out. Uh, these guys have been able to ramp up very fast within like a year uh, or two years. 
And so, and so the ones I've realized, they've come from already like a technical background, either in internet marketing or maybe graphic design. And then it was just another step for them to figure this out and get everything rolling. Whereas, you know, the complete newbie who just jumps into this kind of is running around with their heads cut off. <laughs> what about, are you seeing or have you been interviewing anyone who started with an offline business and they've moved it online? Uh, yes, there was one that was actually a B2B business. They did um, electrical wholesale supplies. And so what they sold was basically, you know, in your house, when you're building a house, you have these like light switches, you have like ceiling fans to install. Right. And, all right. So, and these, these things go up for like probably 200 to anywhere to 600 US. And so they basically uh, started an online version where they could uh, reduce their retail space in the uh -huh. store. And they were able to kind of scale their distribution based on that, too. And so what they did was they basically told their suppliers who they've been in business with for like, you know, 20-something years, great relationship. They just said, hey, you can just start drop shipping this and, you know, it'll save everyone some time and money. Nice. Okay, so for, for everyone listening, I, 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 I'm sitting here thinking, okay, which, which direction do I go, e-commerce or do I go with more podcasting? <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, and so I think I'm going to do both. Uh, so, so with with your business, uh, where is uh, where is your business going? Like, what's what's the concept of how build my online store is going to make revenue? Sure. So right now, I actually just made like my first affiliate sale like a week ago off like a market samurai. So yeah, that's kind of good news, I guess, because the past six months have just been kind of going with like a leap of faith towards this thing. So you know, yeah. not really. Figuring out the revenue side of things, but um, but so after six months now, um, you know I've gotten in touch with Shopify. You know I'm going to do a guest post for them, and also I'll be talking to a guy at Big Commerce and Google soon. So kind of, uh, I think the road is probably consulting first, and eventually what I the vision of this is to really just to be a resource center for anyone to get into e-commerce to say hey. You know, you can go here, you can find some courses here, and there's also be some productized services like uh, kind of SEO uh, under resold under my brand for e-commerce businesses and uh, maybe a paid traffic team. But this is like way three years, maybe a year, two years down the road. So <laughs> why so long? Why so long? Well, well, I think podcasting takes a long time to ramp up. And one of the things I've been trying to figure out is, um, you know, getting people from the from listening to taking to going back to your website and to opting in and to doing more stuff. This is kind of something I haven't figured I haven't figured out yet. So uh, maybe we can just turn this into like a uh, Consul <laughs> consulting for Terry, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's because this concept that Dan Andrews first came out with buy now blogging and and I had to mimic him and say you know, pay now podcasting because the concept is that you're going out to solve a particular problem for a marketplace and you did yeah. you you sent your ideas over to Dan and he sends back oh here's one that I think would work and the reason it would work is that you're running into really critical problems for a business to be able to succeed. Mm -hmm. And that's why when, when you say, oh, you know, this is like a two, three year plan, I'm thinking, well, why is it going to take so long? Because these are problems that people need solved now. Yeah, I guess, I guess it kind of goes back to the thing that, you know, I'm afraid I don't have the ex right expertise to solve it, I guess. Uh, Kind of just like a resistance I've been dealing with. Right. 
Well, okay, so so let, let's go with that because I, I know there's a listeners who would or really feel they're in the same situation that they they've they've got a fairly good idea, but they themselves are not the technical expert. So from for myself, I, I've I've done that in businesses before where I was not the technical expert, but I needed to figure out enough of the business to succeed. I had to know how things kind of worked so that I could make sure that it succeeded. But you personally don't have to be that that person, right? Yeah. Your your job is to get the customers. So how would you figure out how much expertise you have before you can actually start really selling it really hard? Well, the big thing is, well, what what are the problems? So so if somebody comes along and they have X problem, then you need uh, the uh, someone who knows how to solve X. So I guess you could say, you know, let me figure this out and I'll get back to you and come, I'll present you with a solution and I'll get back with you. Is that is right? That well, yeah. So you uh, so you go through the sales process. You get them on the phone, and you walk through it because you know, hey, you're you're already interviewing people who have businesses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so after you've interviewed them, then you can come back to them afterwards and actually say, hey, you know, you, you mentioned some of these problems, and my my company can actually solve these problems. Let's let's dive a little deeper. Let's find out a little bit more. There's a great book called Spin Selling, S-P-I-N. It's a great book to actually learn the process of selling high-ticket, uh, high-dollar items uh, high, and services. So you go through this process of figuring out what are the what are the issues that they're actually having in their business, not the surface ones like, oh, I never have enough time. Well, no one does. So that, that one's not very useful. But why don't you have time? What are the problems that then bottlenecks you're running into. And then you just ask those people, what, what are these problems? And you go, okay, so, so with my company, what we do is we help e-commerce companies overcome these, uh, these limitations to their business. Mm-hmm. You know, you get into e-commerce so you can take advantage of scale, but unfortunately you're not scaling. You're not scaling your leads. You're not scaling your uh, traffic. You're not scaling, you know, what, whatever, right? Whatever their problem is. And you go, okay, so let me look into this. And part of the, part of the thing that you're finding out is, well, how much revenue are they making? Yeah, I, I do ask all my guests that. So um, some are in the one million range, which I know then that means they can pay uh, for products and services later on. Right. So, so then that tells you, okay, so I have enough room here to be able to make a profit and bring in the necessary expert to do this. And I used to do this a lot when, when I was running my marketing agency. I didn't do the actual SEO that mm-hmm. we sold to my clients. I had an SEO guy who uh, handled that because I didn't like doing SEO. I still don't like doing SEO. Then, then we've had a designer. I didn't do the design. I had a designer do it. So I put together the necessary team to be able to supply the solution that my clients were looking for. And, and I'm actually reading Spin Selling now. There's a part that kind of I'm trying to figure out. I think there's um, towards the half, there's like implicit needs and explicit needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any? Because I, I kind of get what he's saying, but it still kind of clouds me when I read it. So, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Okay. So 
I'll just give my definition. First, we'll just go with what the the words mean, implicit Mm. versus explicit. An implicit need is something that is already built in. It's it's kind of hidden. It's you're you're not seeing it. It's not right there on the surface. And that could be like like you were saying about how iPhones get made. Mm-hmm. Well, to have a camera, an implicit need is the lens that makes up that camera. Okay? Oh. Right. So because you don't think about it, it's it's all it, it's like, oh, I need a camera. That's the explicit need. Well, the uh, the implicit need is, well, what's the supply chain that actually delivers you a camera? Mm-hmm. Same thing with e-commerce. If you need to have uh, customers showing up to your site, well, what are the implicit needs that, that come from that? The explicit need is I need new I need more traffic. What's the implicit need? Well, we need to identify the different types of traffic that we can drive to your site that is that is profitable it, so that we're not losing money every time we bring somebody to the site. Oh, gosh, all right. That, that makes much more sense then. Right? <laughs> okay, so, so that, that's what I would say would be smart to do is to actually just get a hold of people and and then offer them the services you find out what problems they have then it's then it comes down to just a negotiation as to cost yeah well i guess, I guess another point i wanted to ask you is that you know if you're not like an seo guy but you do the project management you know what if they ask you hey you know how do i trust your team right okay do they so trust person enough to leverage off that relationship to hire you stuff that Okay, most companies, larger companies, are used to dealing with teams. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what they're doing is they're buying into your story. So a good, a good, a good salespeople do that for big companies. They come out and they, they sell you on buy the solution from IBM here because we're going to be able to solve your, solu- uh, solve your problem. Oh, so, so it's like... It's like your B2B salesperson who has their accounts that go go find clients and stuff like that. Right, because they're buying into the story that the salesperson is is giving. And when it's your company, it's even easier to do because once they trust you, they implicitly trust the rest of your company. I see. So that's, so that's the thing I've been, I can't really get over. So, I, okay, that, that makes a lot of sense now. So. so you need to know enough about the different things. Like I could sit down and talk intelligently with a company about their SEO needs. Because what they're buying from me is the actual strategy and the implementation of these uh, systems. Mm-hmm. They, uh, because they don't have time to do that. They don't have time to build the strategy into their company. They don't have time to implement the tactics necessary, so they hire me, and I put together the, the necessary team that can solve this problem. Because they don't care who is doing the work. Yeah. All they yeah. care about is, did you, did you fulfill the promise you made to me? Gotcha, gotcha. All right. All right. I think I think that's all this. So. <laughs> <laughs> so so I would say to take your pay now podcasting and actually make it pay and mm. because you can do that. You can have this consulting side. You've already talked about that. That's probably the first place you're going to go. Well, then open that up for business. Yeah, I'll just go back to my old guests and basically uh, reach out to them first and get an idea of where they start. So, all right. 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 So you go back to them, figure out what's what's a critical problem that they have, 
and go, okay, so let's sit down and, and figure out a way to accomplish this. And then if it's SEO and you're like, okay, great. Now I'll put together the, the right people to uh, do the SEO for them. If it's the, that their AdWords just aren't converting very well, okay, I'll put together the right AdWords team to be able to drive the appropriate traffic to them within their budget. Yeah, I think it's right because, you know, with the DC2, you also have these leverage points to find the people uh, you need to kind of build the team to, or at least to hire someone to do like a job, you know, for this client. Right, right. And so for those who are listening, uh, the DC, as we, we just call it in, in our world, is a forum uh, that, that we're both members of. And so we're able to interact with other entrepreneurs from around the world. And whenever we run into a problem, it's just simple. Just put a, put a post up and we get tons of responses. So, so that little insider knowledge there. Okay. Okay. So we, we've kind of covered how, how you can make uh, money from your podcast. So let's go into some e-commerce here. How can our, the listeners actually build an e-commerce store? Like what, what's the process? What should they be thinking about? So the first thing is obviously you think of something you can sell, right? And so what a lot of people think... Um, do they have to make it? Uh, no, you don't. So there's two routes you can do. One is you can do is drop shipping, which is you go to a manufacturer and you say, hey, I want to help you sell your product. Uh, here's my website. And you know, we'll, whenever I get an order, I'll pass it to you. I'll pass you the shipping information. And then you charge me. I'll charge my customer. And then you just ship it from your end. And that's one model. And the other model is to actually source products yourself. Uh, which means you get it made in the U.S., you drop a product spec, you go through different versions, and it's a basically a longer process, but the margins are a lot better. And because you can control the whole supply chain, uh, you can basically everything's more in your control. And the dropshipping model, your margins are a little lower, probably a lot lower. From I've heard probably from maybe from five percent to maybe fifteen. Wow. So I mean, but the thing is, you don't carry the inventory risk, and you don't have the cash flow constraints of actually, you know, building a product. And so uh, Dan was actually on my show really early on, and he was saying, you know, he's getting stuff made all the way in China. You know, it takes like months to ship across to Asia to the U.S., and then they have to assemble it in San Diego, and then they mail it out to the customers. So, you know, from the time they get the order to actually um, getting the product, you know, because Chinese factories, they usually take cash in advance. So you're stuck with this cycle. And, you know, if you have like a, a B2B distributor with a PL, you know, it just, it's dragged even longer. So, right. so those ways to get started, basically. Or, you know, the third way is, you know, you can just make something boutique, make it at home, you know, really like kind of like an Etsy style, but that's like a whole different model, I think. Or, or just uh, sourcing products that are already made and you take inventory. So you may not manufacture it, but you're just taking the inventory. I had a client ages ago. He ran his electronics e-commerce business out of his house. And it was hilarious because his garage was full of products. <laughs> and and the UPS truck would just pull up, had the code to the garage. So he punched in the code on the outside of the door, opens up the door, and then he just walks in and, and pulls out the, the boxes that need to go out that day. It was, yeah. it was hilarious, but he, he, he structured everything around that. So he always had the risk of, well, if this inventory doesn't sell, then, then I've just lost money. Yeah, well, you should you remember uh, JP's story from the DC too. So they sell condoms, right? And when they first started, 
uh, they have to buy in bulk for their condom store. And so, you know, I asked them, you know, if if your condoms didn't sell, you know, how how <laughs> how long would it take to actually use all of them? He's like, yeah, probably like you know, two years and you know, ten per day. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, he, they went to the kind of like the, uh, I guess, breaking the bulk one, right? You buy it from the distributor and then you sell it online retail uh, through your own channel. So that's, that's the same way that you're talking about. Right, right. Okay, so, so somebody has an idea of what, what it is that they're wanting to sell. Should they just open up the store and just go online to Shopify or Big Commerce, or should they you know, learn, learn a little something beforehand? Sure. So um, the first thing you should do is probably should see if there's something like this in the market. Because um, I think I think it's very rare to see businesses that I've interviewed that are actually like complete, you know, grand slam hits from a random idea. And so uh, first thing you should do is probably see if something similar is sold in the market. Because you don't want to make something and then have a bunch of inventory sitting in your house and then it doesn't sell. And, you know, it's one thing to make an ebook that doesn't sell, but it's one thing to have like, you know, thousands of product in your living room. Just sitting, <laughs> <laughs> like the 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 potential for loss is a lot bigger, right? Right. So, yeah, and then um, you know, I guess you could test landing pages like Google Pay Per Click, kind of like the old school Tim Ferriss model. You know, Dan says it still works for his portable bar and kind of new new companies. So, uh, but the thing is, you know, it's it's better to test something little, like you know, spend like a few hundred bucks to test your idea, than to just jump in and you know start making product in Asia, you know, right off the bat. So. Right, right. Knowing knowing who your market is and what that market is actually demanding is is really important. So now we know who they are, you know, what what they what they're looking for. How do we get them? Sure. So one thing you can do is um, you can look for you can go to forums to see kind of people in this market how they're using the product uh, to see kind of their feedback or you can go if it's on Amazon you look at the negative reviews or the positive ones to see you know where where it's resonating with people and so the negative ones you can look at all the negative reviews and you can find overlapping themes of how kind of people are negative towards it and you, that could be like an improvement point on to you can apply to your own product and uh, you could also go to just go offline to like you know trade shows or kind of where these people gather like at meetups and just kind of reach out people from there to get like the feedback loop going uh, about your product. Because I think it's very rare that the first iteration of a product just sells completely well. It's, I've never seen it happen. And it takes like, it's like a process of talking with your ideal market and refining something into something that they'll buy. Right. Yeah, the idea of the minimum viable product, getting things out there, especially if you're manufacturing something, it's always a great idea to get uh, prototypes in front of uh, buyers to find out if they're going to want it. Yeah, and one thing some platforms do allow, I think big commerce allows you to do pre-orders. So there was one business I interviewed where they made uh, um, uh, stuffed animals. So basically these were stuffed animals designed off uh, real pit bulls in adoption shelters. So you look at the stuffed animal, they had a couple uh, replicas made. Is It looks exactly like the bear, or, I mean the dog, but it looks really cute. And so they put it on the site and they just said, hey, you know, uh, if you want this, uh, you can pre-order now. We'll get them in uh, October, which is like two, three months from now. And they sold like like 2,000 before they even actually made the product. Wow. Wow. That's fantastic. And, that, and that's, that's a little trick for anyone out there is to get your customer to buy ahead of time. Because that really improves cash flow right there when you get the money before you actually have to deliver. <laughs> 
Yeah, so yeah, the positive cash flow cycle is really important because, you know, if you're thinking, you know, I'm just going to put 10K of my own money to make something in China and I'll make it back later, it's, it's, you're risk, basically risking that money without, you know, testing out the concept first. And whereas if you got 10K in sales first, you know, up front and then you did that, you've had such a big peace of mind. Uh, yeah. so, you know, Except for one thing, if you're manufacturing the product and not just buying one that you already know the quality of, is like, that when you get the shipment and yeah. the product sucks yeah. <laughs> or it's missing pieces or something's wrong with it, then then you've got an issue. Yeah, yeah, with the yield rates of the manufacturing stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, there's just so many aspects of manufacturing that we could go on for hours about this. All right, okay, so uh, so let's let's move on into this process of of it. So we, we're understanding more of what people want. Now, what's the next step? Do we build the store? Do uh, you know? Do we go out and try to sell without a store? What's the process? Um, I would say if you have like a prototype, you could go ahead and put it on the store. And you know, if you could take pre-orders, that's probably the best way. Just, just because, you know, like they always say, you know, if people can put out the credit card, you know, if you ask someone, hey, would you buy this? They'll say yes. But if they actually, you ask them for the credit card, then they say no. You know, you have something to work, or, or you need to keep working on, right? Right. I just thought of this. And, and I'll, I'll put you on the spot because I know you're interviewing like lots of people who are using different uh, uh, platforms. So what's the best e-commerce platform for someone to start off with? All right. If you're completely, if you don't know anything about coding, like, you know, if you've never touched like a website before, uh, I would say probably Shopify is the easiest one. Uh, but if you have some experience with tweaking, you know, a website, I would actually go with big commerce, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and it's, the thing is, Shopify has this 2% uh, off the sales of every sale you make, unless you pay them like, I think 150 bucks a month. So it's a little more expensive, but as far as user friendly wise, it is the easiest one to get started with. Uh-huh. And big commerce, I think they, like they have some more, I guess, more features for the better bang for the buck. Like the pre-order thing is something they have. And I don't think Shopify has that as of now. So, okay. yeah. And then uh, also, I guess some people come from the blogging world, right? So, a lot of people have been doing WooCommerce. I think Dan went, says he went back to WooCommerce for a couple of sites too. And so the thing is, when you start a store on Shopify, uh, their CMS platform is not as good as WordPress. So what happens is if you already have a blog and you start an online store, you're basically having two websites. I mean, they have ways that you can widget your products in onto your WordPress page, but you're still fundamentally running two different sites. And so that's kind of like a integration problem thing for anyone that already has a WordPress blog that wants to go... Uh, start an online store, you may just be better off going with WooCommerce or like an e-commerce theme for WordPress. Okay. All right. Very good. All right. So we, we've got our site built and we, we've put our uh, we put our product and stuff on there. Now we're rich, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, assuming you, know, you got your marketing right, you got customers buying and that's, that's really the hard part that every store struggles with. Unless they, they just had a you know grand slam product starting out. So I mean you even asked Dan, you know, his cat furniture business is doing really well now. And you know, starting out it was still a slow trudge, you know, going here and there, just ramping up every day, every day for the past few years to get to where they are today. Right. Say a different anomaly is if you go on Shark Tank, which is, you know, even if your idea sucks or you know, it doesn't sell, the exposure you get on the Shark Tank will probably just send your website crashing, which has happened with Every guest I've talked to that didn't really get their um, hosting service sorted out 
because uh, I guess Shark Tank got really big in season three. And so I've had a couple guests on there where they said, hey, you know, we basically went on the show and then our website crashed. And, and then they've used that, you know, if they got a deal, they could go on, you know, from Shark Tank to Good Morning America. Their investor would really pivot them on right. different line channels. So that's kind of like an anomaly. But, see, you know, you pull back a little bit. Really, you know, starting your store, getting funding re- really isn't the hard part. Where 10 years ago, you know, you didn't have a platform. You had to use like a Yahoo site builder, which <laughs> Which is ugly. so ugly. Yeah, right? and a hundred bucks a month, and plus uh, a percentage of sales, and yeah, you know, and if you built your own custom e-commerce backend, it was you know like anywhere from like thirty k to fifty k. This is like you know in the early mid nineteen nineties, and now you know Shopify or like big commerce, it's like hundred bucks a month. It's it's so easy to start now, and so you know really it's become kind of like blocking, right? We're finding you know idea that resonates that really has good value is the hard part because anyone can jump in now in the game, right? Okay, so we're we're in the game. What uh, from the people you've talked to? What are the ways that they're getting traffic? They're getting their customers. Sure. So everyone starts out with friends and family first, and then it kind of goes through word of mouth. And, and word of mouth is the biggest leverage point because a it does your marketing for you, uh, and it helps you find customers. Whereas you know when you're just starting out, no one really knows who you are, and it's really these initial relationships and the good exp- shopping experience you have with these people that really allows you to scale. And so, uh, you know, how long does it take? Gosh, the, most of the ones I've talked to, probably six months to a year to actually, you know, get really on the ground and kind of a stable, good good, good enough to actually live full time off it, I think. And some, you know, it depends on the price point. Like some people, if they sell a $10 toy, you know, under 20 bucks, it's really hard to suddenly scale to a thousand, right? Whereas if you sold a product that was 100, 200 bucks, you would only need to sell you know a couple dozen units to actually get to a revenue point where you could uh, live off of. Right, so, right. This is something I didn't mention. Like the, the the ideal sweet spot is really a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars because if you're doing the same work, you know, putting a product page up, doing marketing, you know, why don't you just sell something more expensive that really does solve a market problem too instead of selling like a ten dollar accessory, which you could do, but to scale it is just so much more difficult and your margins are so much lower. Yeah, and. And which, when your margins are lower, that also means you have less dollars for marketing, so it makes it even harder to uh, to get that success. And unless it just so happens that you end up with like a breakout success. Yeah, exactly. And this is like if you go on Shark Tank and you sell these ten dollars things, and suddenly you know a hundred thousand people buy it. So, and another thing is low price product is that you know you have shipping costs, you know you have customer support, you have you know all this stuff, you know holding the inventory, packaging it, you know these little things that add up with you know small price items that just really you know it's just much better if you sold something bigger and more expensive. Well, and this advice I've given with people in in information products. Don't go with something cheap because you need so many sales that it's going to be very difficult for you to ever be able to make a living from this business. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, having having a, something that's appropriately priced, that does not mean that if you've got an awesome product and it's going to retail for five bucks that you shouldn't do it. It's just you just need to know ahead of time that it's going to be harder for you to make a living initially. 
Yeah, and people are pretty comfortable buying stuff that are that's like you know fifty to maybe two hundred dollars, right? I mean, you go on Amazon, you buy like something that's hundred something dollars. It's, it's pretty comfortable, and I think the stores I've talked to where it gets kind of you get some friction, or I guess you get the resistance, is around maybe like three hundred for some products. It depends. Like the lighting company, they started having problems because um, they were selling these lights that were maybe four hundred five hundred dollars, but you don't see the light in your house, right? You don't. It's not like you go to Home Depot, you can see what the light looks like. You're buying it online, basically blind. And so what they did was they actually had to, they made like a dedicated 1-800 dial-in where they could talk to customers. And that 1-800 also allowed them to track the conversions off. It was a special line just for the online store. And so, uh, you know, as as you get in the higher price points, you do need higher touch uh, sales to kind of go along with it. Unless you sold like golf clubs, which, you know, people are passionate about. <laughs> Like motorcycles or something like that. So. Right, right. Okay, uh, and and I would even say that even some lower ticket items would probably do well by having a phone number on there, even if people never call it. Yeah, and there's there's another strategy where you can bundle accessories, which is one of my guests have told me. So, uh, one of them sells uh, CB radios, which is basically you know like the truck drivers on uh-huh. highway. They have these radios that are like three hundred to like five hundred dollars, right? And so his margins on those aren't as big as the kind of like the extra speaker he he gets or like the extra cable he sells with them because the cables can go for like twenty dollars, but your margins could be like you know sixty seventy percent. Whereas the radio, maybe it's like you know ten fifteen. So when you bundle something that's really accessory heavy, uh, it can really kind of give you another revenue windfall from a different source that's not limited to a small margin. Interesting. So one of the things that I've seen on Amazon and and other places where I get to see reviews of stuff, and a lot of it comes down to, I had a problem with the product, and it was two months later before it ever got resolved. Don't ever buy from this particular company. Mm-hmm. So what about support? Because uh, an online business, especially an e-commerce business where you're selling a physical product, isn't there a lot of support that comes along with that? Yeah, so they have platforms, um, which is called like ticketing systems, like Zendesk, which basically is a platform where a customer can, you know, put a ticket online and then it goes to your phone or your email or your iPad and you can just manage it from there. And it has its organized kind of in the cloud. It's like a SaaS platform that allows you to basically manage it through there instead of having them send you an email and then you have to dig through it uh, later on. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You do. You don't want to send stuff through. Uh, where you can't keep track of the complete conversation that's that's yeah. been happening and because you don't want people falling through the gaps and and a service like Zendesk or one of the others out there would be very very important for doing support. One of the part where it gets messy is if you do drop shipping, they actually don't send it back to, if you send you a product back, they actually don't send it back to you, they send it to the supplier. So this is where it kind of it can get messy because you have a third party involved. Whereas if you had your own product, you know, you know you're dealing directly with customer uh, and all the returns and you can send them new stuff, uh, stuff like that. So, um, but I've heard most businesses do figure it out, but it's just initially starting, it can get a little messy when you have returns with drop shipping. So, and, and the thing is, those drop shipping margins are so low and you have to deal with returns. It's just another kind of drawback of the model. Right, right. So what, what happens to those returns? Uh, for... Uh, for like, uh, have you have you talked to any of the interviewees that you've had on? What what do they do with the returned products? Sure. So a lot of the times, if something's broken, they'll just eat up the cost themselves for a replacement, and, and it's because you know if it's if it's like a 
$20 item, you don't really want to get into an argument with this over the customer, right? It's your better job just eating it and then just work on growing your sales on the other side and not really worrying about this. And so I haven't talked to anyone where this has become a huge problem. Most just kind of take it with stride because the last thing you want is for this guy to be angry, you know, going around on Twitter or Facebook, you know, calling out your business when you're just starting out and you can really use the social proof and the good publicity growing your business. Right. And a great opportunity to get some goodwill is to fix a problem for a customer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so one of them, you know, there was this example where this guy complained uh, to the right channel radios guy. Hey, you know, I saw your I bought, bought it from you, um, but I saw it on Amazon. It was, you know, $20 cheaper. I want to send it back. And then so what, what he did was, you know, in his response, when the customer sent a response, he noticed like one of the cables was uh, not it was like the, it wasn't long enough, and so he's like, "Hey, you know, I know, you know, Amazon is cheaper, but you know, we offer better service. You know, I noticed you said your cable is wrong. We'll just send it to you for free, and you know, that it'll just be on us. And you know, uh, we, you know, we want to just want to make you happy. And so, what he was saying is, is that you don't compete with Amazon in price because you'll just get killed. There's no way you can win. So right. you just you you compete by them by adding more value, which is either through either customer service or your website's helpful and helping them, you know, buy a radio. You have videos on there. You know, you have reviews from people. You have like a demo of how it actually works. You know, kind of adding more value from a different angle instead of just, you know, fighting for a price to the bottom. Yeah, I'll, I'll say there's the company Wistia. They they do video. Uh, they have a video software platform, so you can put your videos up and post them on your website and stuff like that. And they have really been putting a lot of effort into training people uh, how to how to do great video, how to make the best use of their software. And and you'd mentioned like Shopify. Well, they have a FAQ. Well, why don't they have a training program? Yeah. Well, they do have experts to help you with, but I think you know just somewhere like a real dedicated resource center. It's kind of like a. It's kind. It's kind of like because I guess you know they want to see their stores. Uh, succeed, but the core business is still the platform. Right? They're not really in the training game of the business. So. Right, which I think is an issue because I think anyone who can demonstrate the best use of their product through training is going to sell more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I've heard uh, Big Commerce does have a dedicated team for this now, just kind of from what I've been reading on the blogs, where they actually, they're like kind of like a special ops team where they just train people you know, as they get their stores. So maybe Shopify is too. I don't know. I need to check in with them. So yeah, this is definitely cool. a big, big point in the market that I've, you know. All right. All right. Okay. So, so how about we get some excellent advice on either podcasting or, or e-commerce or both from you, like some great words of wisdom. Sure. So podcasting, I guess we could do podcasting because everyone says you need to do a podcast, but I guess the people that have been advocating have been doing it for a while. So it's kind of, okay. So, so basically the first 10 episodes will be probably kind of hard. I probably like the tipping point, I think, is really to just get these first 10 episodes out. Because the first one, you get the first one out, you're really excited. You get the second one out, you're excited. And by the time around the fifth or sixth, you're like, oh, you know, if because I started from scratch, I it wasn't really going anywhere at first. You just kind of have to push through, push through, push through, and then finally now, you know, you're getting more downloads. Your people kind of you're getting on the radar of bigger players in the market. That's when you kind of know, okay, this is kind of something that can be built as you go along. And so I would say, you know, if anyone that's looking to start, you know. Uh, when you create your content, batch it up. You know, if you're doing an interview show, just interview six or seven people in a week, and then you just drip out the content. It's a lot more efficient on your time. 
And, um, you know, just, just get started. Don't worry about sounding bad on your first episode because everyone kind of sounds bad. So, <laughs> <laughs> and you just, 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 uh, ship. Or, or on your 125th episode, you know, you still sound kind of bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think, I think another thing too is also, uh, you know, have fun with podcasting because I always have fun talking to my guests. So when I find a guest, you know, I look at an e-commerce store, I always seem trying to think, you know, will I be excited to press publish? on my podcasting service, you know, when I release this episode out, you know, well, I'd be excited to share this. And usually, you know, if it's a yes, hey, I want to interview this guy because maybe there's something unique about their product, uh, their marketing, or kind of, you know, how their operations are set up. Or, you know, maybe so, you just see these weird businesses on e-commerce. Like, there's another day I found a store which they sold uh, disposable toilets out of a cardboard box. And it's basically like a box, you know, you unfold it, uh -huh. you, put, you put a bag over it, and it's a toilet. And and it sells for like I think twenty pounds from London, and and on the website they were saying you know this is a business that does really well. You go to like Burning Man or these like outdoor festivals because right. you know, there's no toilet outside, and this is something that you can just unfold and then put in put in a bag and then toss the bag afterwards, and it's biodegradable. And I was like, wow, this is like the stuff you can see on e-commerce now. Like you know, ten years ago, who would have thought of this, right? <laughs> well, yeah, ten years ago, you would have bought that through a catalog. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> With the foldable, disposable toilet box. I mean, that's that's kind of crazy too, though, right? Right, right. Very cool, very cool. Terry, it's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, it's been a while since we've talked to each other, but it's great being able to reconnect. So so for people who are interested in e-commerce, where should they uh, get a hold of you at? Sure. You just go to buildmyonlinestore.com. I'm always on Twitter at it's me, Terry Lynn. And yeah, you listen. If you, if you really want to get started in e-commerce, you should listen to the show. Basically, we've talked from everything from getting your products made in China, you know, protecting your IP there, uh, talking with distributors, uh, doing some online marketing. Because the online marketing stuff you can find um, pretty much you know, anywhere on the internet if you find hard enough. But to actually get of how something works, behind the scenes, uh, you know, tune into the show and you'll uh, get a lot of tips from there. All right. Excellent. Excellent. Again, I appreciate you coming on the show. For everyone who is listening, hopefully you've got a lot of value out of this episode. You've learned a little bit about podcasting, learned a little bit about e-commerce and gotten to hear a little consulting on Terry's business. <laughs> and uh, hopefully you can turn all that, uh, all that information into your own success. So until the next time, Enjoy your Foolish Adventure. You've just listened to The Foolish Adventure Show with Tim Conley. To get more straight talk about making money online and building a successful internet business, go to foolishadventure.com. There, you can opt into the Freedom File newsletter. You'll also get access to the Foolish Guide to Launching Products video training module, over an hour and 20 minutes of business building knowledge that can generate tens of thousands of dollars for your new product. Enjoy your foolish adventure.